I can't wait to hear what he does with Crusher and Bruiser. You know what? They are actually on Super Clash. They are in my book. Nice. Not in a way you would ever expect, probably, but they're there. Are they are they fulfilling the role of Stalin and Waldorf and sitting up in a balcony <laughs> and making fun of everybody? Look at these tagging X. Because again, because you gotta admit, them doing that would probably be the greatest thing. And that that'd be on par with Fuji Vice as being one of the greatest things ever assembled by <laughs> It's kinda person. it's actually in line with like their whole persona too of like being exactly. grumpy old fucking <laughs> salooners. Welcome all to our fantasy booking show, the main event. I'm your host, Chris Spiker, here with the booker for the AWNR project, Michael Harris, as well as Big Bill Merriweather and Drubin Lomain. With him, you get 10-minute and egg roll. This is the next installment in our series where each of the territories feature now fantasy draft episode booked major stadium shows with storylines and angles laid out and discussed. Tonight, Michael will be booking the AWA up to and through their first major show, Super Clash, at the Cow Palace in San Fran, California. Thanks for being here tonight, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Enough. You know, it's a shame nothing good sports-wise comes out of San Francisco. I just want to put that out there. Uh, I'll uh, just kind of give a quick rundown here like Drew did on the last episode, kind of setting the stage for how all this took place. With things in disarray, AWA President Stanley Blackburn reaches out to the hottest young mind in the business, Michael T.S. Herrick, to take over booking duties and push the AWA with their prime ESPN time slot and vast syndicated network providing a large viewing audience back to the top of the heap as the major league of professional wrestling. A nationwide call was put out to town looking to make their name or solidify their place in the pantheon of all-time greats. To compete in the AWA World Tag Team Title Tournament, the World Junior Heavyweight Title Tournament, and a tournament for the newly created Western States Heritage Title. The finals of these tournaments were set to take place at Mirror Pro Wrestling pay-per-view event, Super Clash, at the historic Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. Six months prior to these events, brightest young star in the business, Macho Man Randy Savage, debuted in the AWA. Savage worked his way to the number one contender status, defeating world heavyweight champion Nick Bockwinkle just one month prior to today. Bockwinkle now gets his stipulated rematch with Savage for the title. We're just two months away from Super Clash, and a plethora of talent has arrived in the AWA. Who will make their mark, and how will this epic world title match impact the direction in which the company will go? So that sets the stage here, and we are ready for the big monthly show in Minneapolis, headlined by Nick Bockwinkle getting his return match against new champion Randy Sapp. The match itself is a seesaw affair, with both men unable to truly get the upper hand. About 20 minutes in, Kurt Hennig walks out to ringside and stands in a neutral corner, drawing the interest of both Bockwinkle and Savage. Bockwinkle gains the advantage and with Savage on the mat, Bobby Heenan climbs onto the apron to distract the referee. At the same time, Hennig climbs to the apron on the opposite side of the ring and tries to give Bockwinkle a roll of quarters. Bockwinkle and Hennig jaw back and forth for a minute before the referee turns around. Seeing Hennig on the apron, he orders Kurt back to the locker room. Heenan is visibly distraught and starts yelling at Bock. The two argue while Savage comes around, grabbing Bockwinkle, who attempts a small back. Savage instead reverses with an inside cradle for the 1-2-3 to retain the AWA World Heavyweight title. 
Bockwinkle, still seething with Heenan, shakes Randy's hand before turning his attention back to Heenan. All of a sudden, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson come through the ropes and jump an unsuspecting sap. Enig quickly reappears and joins in on the three-on-one attack. Bockwinkle sees what's happening and pushes all three men aside, stopping the beatdown. Heenan, now in the ring and visibly angry, signals to Henning and the three men all turn their attention to Bockwinkle, throttling him much to the surprise of the now silent crowd. Heenan gets on the house mic and tells Bockwinkle he should have just gone along with the plan and done what he was told. Enig takes the microphone and tells Bockwinkle his time has passed and the future belongs to the new Heenan family. Enig talks about how Bockwinkle and Vern held his father down for years and that they were trying to do the same to him, but Heenan helped him see the light and promised him the world title his father was denied all these years. Enig tells Savage to keep the title nice and shiny because it will soon be around the waist of the true heir to the AWA throne. Kurt Hennig. The Heenan family leave the ring together to a chorus of boos as Bockwinkle and Savage, enemies at the start of the night, now help each other up off the mat and stand together looking at their mutual enemies. Well, that's the first big happening here is the face turn of Nick Bockwinkle and the formation of a new Heenan family built around Kurt Hennig as the main piece with Arn and Tully in as the supporting players. Interested to see if maybe Savage and Bockwinkle stick together for a, a hot minute to uh, seek some revenge and some tag matches or something here. I'm yeah, curious uh, how planned out their match would be, their matches. That is a good question. <laughs> how, they, how, how their styles would mesh. Uh, yeah. uh, Randall, I am quite okay with uh, what you have laid out here, but your punctuation and grammar is uh, what uh, our friend Mr. Rogowski would refer to as the shits. <laughs> Uh, I would think maybe Randy would have enough respect for Bockwinkle to back off a little bit with planning out of every mm-hmm. single spot. I would agree. Yeah. He's the veteran. Yeah. You got to let the vet call it, right? That's right. And he's from that old school, too, so Savage, I think, would be okay with that. All Bockwinkle would have to do is like, you know, I know your mom. How is Judy? <laughs> oh, man, playing the mom card. Huh? And the third member of their team is Lanny Poffo's dong. <laughs> which is on the menu at Calhoun's (laughs) we'll take the uh, Papo Dong (laughs) it's all one word there though okay 10 minutes (laughs) there's a lady here asking for two Papo Dongs Try not to eat a leaping lane across the parking lot. I saw her. She looked like she was full of glory and renown. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something else, too, judged by the soccer. She's a good frisbee player, too. (laughs) So, all of this gets recapped on the latest edition of AWA's syndicated programming as well as the ESPN show, where over the course of the next two months, we get early round matches of the title turns. Kicking off the junior heavyweight title tournament, is a match between Coco Beware and Buddy Rose. Rose has a doctor with him that verifies Rose is under 235-pound weight limit, which is clearly a bold-faced lie. Who's <laughs> 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 Dr. Tavor? I'm fucking dying already. I love this premise, dude. Rose goes over Coco on his way to the tournament finals, defeating Tama of the Islanders in the second round and Owen Hart in the semifinals. <laughs> please, please tell me the doctor he brings to the ring with him is Dr. Now. Oh, actually, uh, he lost so much weight. Look at him. He's very skinny. We'll get to the doctor's name when we get to Super Clash. (laughs) (laughs) I know Spiker and Bill will get the reference when we get there. Uh, Looking forward to it now. Okay, so Jeff Jarrett emerges from the other side of the bracket, face Rose in the finals, defeating Hollywood John Tatum, Pat Tanaka, and Tom Zing on his way to the title match. Z-Man, how dare you? 
He's not Z-Man yet. He will be. He's still the Z-Man, but he'll be the man later on. Drama unfolds in the tournament between the Rockers and Bad Company as Pat Tanaka defeats Marty Jannetty in their first round matchup after Paul Diamond trips Jannetty, allowing Tanaka to roll Jannetty up from behind with a fistful of tights after Jannetty turns to confront Diamond. Things get worse as Diamond and Shawn Michaels battle to a double disqualification on the other side of the bracket when Tanaka and Jannetty get involved. So here we're planting the seeds for a, a, a big feud going forward. <clears throat> and you know the matches are going to be fantastic because those two teams had banger after banger in the AWA and in the WWE. I was, I was, I was going to say, I know Mikey's a big fan, and so am I. They're Rory Rumble 91 opener tap. So. Yes, and it's a fabulous match. That's my only regret with that so whole thing is I just wish they could have been bad company in the WWF. Right, right. I mean, it was such a cool fucking name, and a, I mean, they looked. Cool they were like the, they were like the evil rockers, you know, because they were like the David Lee Roth looking pants too, but right. you know, didn't have like the tassels and shit like the good guys. And they just had like a different, you know, like Tanaka with the uh, I, I hate the stereotype, but like the uh, karate wrestler pants, Capri style, I guess you call them. <laughs> and no boots and then diamond yeah. with the body and you know who could work with the bigger guy you know yep. they were a really good team i thought man yeah and that royal rumble match i watch it every couple of months because it's just a great great match. it is too man there was something about those old awa tapings when you'd see them on espn and they're coming out to bad company and right yeah oh yeah totally man. cool vibe and it actually was a good jump off for old ddp yes it was good god <laughs> So the Rockers and Bad Company feud spills over into the tag title tournament with their match resulting in a double countout as the teams battle through the crowd and into the concession stand, evoking memories of the Tupelo concession stand brawl. This allows the Can-Am Connection a buy into the finals after they defeat the Samoan SWAT team in the first round. On the other side of the bracket, Arn and Tully defeat Owen Hart and Scotty the Body in round one, setting up semifinals matches with the Powers of Pain, who defeat the Islanders in the opening round. Arn and Tully advanced to the finals at Super Clash, defeating the Powers of Pain, with Heenan and Blanchard both holding on to one of the Barbarians' feet as Arn makes the pinfall. The Western States Heritage title tournament kicks off with a tremendous match between Jeff Jarrett and Shawn Michaels that sees Michaels go over and the two babyfaces shaking hands after the match. Michaels faces off with Tully Blanchard in the second round, with Blanchard getting the win thanks to distraction by Arn and Heenan bringing a confrontation between the Rockers and the Brainbusters at the close of the match and a hint at things to come down the road. Paul Orndorff defeats Hollywood John Tatum in the first round and Paul Diamond in the second round on his way to a semifinal match with Blanchard that sees Orndorff advance to the finals. On the other side of the bracket, the newest member of the Heenan family, Larry Zabisco, defeats Coco Beware in round one, leading to a second round match with Rick Martell, who beat superstar Rip Rogers of the Phenomenal Ones in the opening round. Scott Hall defeats Jesus Christ himself, the son of Gouda, Doug Summers, to set up a second <laughs> matchup with Bam Bam Bigelow. After Bigelow defeated Islander Haku in the opening round, Hall and Bigelow battled to a double countout, giving Zabisco a bye to the finals after he defeated Martel in a hard-fought semifinal match. Son of Gouda. I don't know how we didn't put up son of Gouda before, Drew. I felt that, that we didn't come up with it until today when I thought of it, but it's pretty perfect, I think. I knew I'd get you with that one. I'm actually glad I was muted when you said that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and Drew, Drew's dying still. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. <laughs> you made a <clears throat> man cry with Gouda. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you all right, Drew? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Are you sure? I like, I like Gouda. <coughs> Apparently so. Bow down to Gouda. <laughs> Let's raise an offering. <laughs> I'm going to pass around the charcuterie board. Everybody donate, please. <laughs> I guess it'd be a charcuterie basket. This is the way. <laughs> As we're readying for Super Clash from the historic Cow Palace, Larry Nelson runs down the card with a special announcement from AWA President Stanley Blackburn, where a loser leaves town for 30 days matches announced between the Rockers and Bad Company, as the teams have continued to interfere in each other's matches since the tag title tournament brawl. Also... Blackburn announces that due to the pattern of interference by the Heenan family throughout the tournaments, Randy Savage will defend the world heavyweight title against Kurt Hennig in a steel cage match with ringside enforcers, the Crusher, the Bruiser, Mad Dog Vachon, and Brad Rangan stationed outside the ring. Nelson runs down the full card, which is as follows. Jeff Jarrett versus Buddy Rose in the finals of the junior heavyweight title tournament. Scott Hall versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Rockers versus Bad Company in a Loser Leaves Town for 30 Days match. Medusa Michelli versus Luna Vachon for the women's title. Powers of Pain versus the Samoan SWAT team. Paul Orndorff versus Larry Zabisco in the finals of the Western States Heritage title tournament. Brainbusters versus the Can-Am Connection in the finals of the AWA World Tag Title Tournament. And Randy Savage defending the World Heavyweight title against Kurt Hennig in the Steel Cage. So pretty solid show to kick off the big first pay-per-view under this booking regime. I'd say. I'll go watch a Savage Hennig main event anywhere in the wrestling world. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. 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 I mean, especially that point. A&M's and Brain Busters, too. Nice. It would actually I mean, be a really fucking good match. You had really. me all excited about who was on the outside of the ring to against Brad Reagan. <laughs> I had to throw in the one guy there, you know. He's As tough. He- I mean, he can defend himself. As he slams the cage door in Randy's head. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And then couldn't help but notice that uh, Marty Jannetty lost in the light heavyweight tournament, right? The junior heavyweight. And, and then Shawn Michaels wins in the Western States Heritage Tournament. In the Ooh. first round. I mean, he lost the next round. Yeah. But a little discontent, maybe, though, you know? Also, a little, little taste of that limelight for that Shawn Michaels feller. Also, I have no idea why it popped into my head, but shout out to our great friend Jeremy Marshall, the reason why a lot of us aren't burning in hell. I'm Rob Trongard, and Jeremy Marshall's my savior. Well, besides that, the Simone SWAT team, all I can think of is Jeremy doing his wordle, the Simone Squab team. <laughs> There you go. Shout out to our buddy, Jeremy. We love you, man. Thank you for um, saving us from a uh, fiery damnation. What's up, Rev? Love you, Jeremy. Also, Hong Kong. Yes. Regards to Megan in August, too. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So we, we right. need to get Jeremy on the show. Jeremy is pretty yep, hysterical. Do. If he's got time, we definitely need to get him on. Yeah. We did get an interview with Poe Bands. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes, oh, I know what you're saying. That's yeah. an amazing impression. Great. Yeah, I need to see if he blocked me after I commented on his post the other day. I don't know Are how I was able to... Hangman? Yeah, I, I screenshotted it. I was like, I can't remember what I said. Was that on the sharing the room post with the hangman? Oh, yeah, I think it was... Uh, he shared that article about when he ran the torch into town for the Olympics <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, oh, you can't have the Olympics without the hangman coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just kind of kissing his ass a little bit, trying to get him to yeah let us in. Maybe, maybe I can get him on the show. Man, did I remember seeing you in Kankakee, dude? 
Yeah, man. Pulling in there with Dick the Bruiser. (laughs) (laughs) I watched you wrestle, quote-unquote, wrestle Larry Zabisco to a draw for the NWA heavyweight title. It's 90 minutes of my life. I'm never fucking getting back. (laughs) Yeah, you could just, like, not even, like, be fanatical like that. Just be, like, oh, I remember you wrestling Tom Dixon. You could just make up some stupid fucking name. (laughs) I remember the hangman against Tommy Dixon, man, for the title right here in Kankakee. Oh, yeah, and then I'd go up to fucking Skokie, and it'd be fucking the hangman against fucking fucking Bill Herrick. The fucking... (laughs) You know? (laughs) It'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I remember Tom Dixon. He's a good worker. Good worker, that Tommy Dix. He would call him Tommy Dix. Tell us about the time Bruce Pibbans worked Neil Gway. (laughs) Yeah, right. Is it is it good or not public form, bad public form to masturbate by a sand sculpture? <laughs> it depends on if it's made near international waters or not. Why wouldn't you just poke a hole in it? <laughs> Isn't it award-winning sand sculpture? Yeah, who's that guy thrusting into my fucking sand sculpture over here? <laughs> I'm just helping you- shape this edge over here. <laughs> <laughs> An escape tunnel. Is your, is your rest in peace, Jack Why? Why is your sand sculpture named Kinky Kelly? <laughs> One-eyed Willie. <laughs> what do you have sand in you? What do you have sand in your eye? One-eyed Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to feel like sloth drooling. That's a, I was going to say that's a deleted scene from the Goonies. I think. Yeah, that was uh, what the, the was, like the octopus and all that stuff. All right, so the day is upon us. It's time for Super Clash. Buddy Rose comes to the ring to open the show with a scale and his personal physician, Dr. Mantis Toboggan, in tow. Rose weighs in at a spelt 231 pounds, according to the scale and Dr. Toboggan. Clearly a lie, but there's nothing the AWA officials can do. Rose uses his veteran ring savvy and likely 60-pound weight advantage to grind young Jarrett down over the course of the 14-minute opener, scoring a victory. Dr. Toboggan tries to put the title around Rose's waist, only for the belt to clearly be too small to fit on Rose's rotund physique. (laughs) Fucking Toboggan! (laughs) (laughs) That's an always sunny reference. I had to throw it in. Greatest show of all time. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito is a national treasure, and I can't wait for him to be announced as everybody in the Fantastic Four movie. I'm telling you, just just let them do it and run with it. It'd be fantastic. No, I think everybody going forward needs played by Danny DeVito. If we're going to recast Jonathan Majors, recast Danny DeVito's hanging <laughs> comics. Dang no Jonathan one's going to notice it. <laughs> the Marvel Universe would fall under the army of Danny DeVito. <laughs> and we'd all be okay with it. Hell, hell, I mean, go back and superimpose Danny DeVito over Jonathan Majors in Quantumania. <laughs> or Jonathan Winters in anything. Like that Scooby-Doo episode. It's like you get the Harlem Globetrotters, Sonny and Cher. I even think the fucking Allman Brothers showed up once on there, man. But here's fucking Jonathan Winters. Okay. Fuck it. Come on, man. Do it. We're going to solve some shit, dude. With the guy that got turned down for the role of Mr. Belvedere. Really? No, I don't know. I just think he kind of looks like a kind of looks like a Mr. Belvedere guy. Rest in peace, Mr. Winters. And Mr. Belvedere. Yeah, man, I think it is. I don't know if he's related to Edgar, but... <laughs> no, but he is, he is related to Johnny. Okay, and maybe the most anticipated match outside of the main event, the Rockers and Bad Company put on a clinic as they wrestle back and forth with high-flying moves and sound mat work 
with neither team able to gain an upper hand. Bad Company finally gains an advantage after Tanaka blinds Janetti with Monsoul's powder, leaving Michaels no one to tag when he needed it the most. Worn out Michaels is pinned after Bad Company uses a series of tags and double team maneuvers to score the victory, barring the Rockers from the territory for the next 30 days. This is an angle that will become much bigger in our next show for the AWA. There's good stuff coming with the Rockers. The Monsoul's powder, dude. That's right. Shout out Vandal Drummond and him talking about the Monsoul's powder. It stuck in my brain. It burn your eyes to the sockets. Right. Uh, Luna Vachon comes to the ring as the challenger to Medusa Michelli's AWA women's world title. In face paint and sporting a mohawk, shocking and even scaring some of the fans in attendance as she threatens to hit a number of fans as she makes her way to ringside. Popular Michelli wins a back-and-forth match with a bridging German suplex to retain her title. Next out are the evil Samoan SWAT team led to the ring by their manager, Sheik Adnan Al-Kaysi face the fan favorite team of the powers of pain nothing fancy or skillful about this match just four big meaty men slapping meat and beating the shit out of each other powers of pain win after hitting the powerplex tell me that warlord hitting the superplex with the barbarian 300 pounds of him flying off the top rope to crush you is not the best finishing move those guys could do Instead of doing a doomsday ripoff, that's the move. And it fits the yeah, name. Yeah, the barbarian was good off the top rope with the big headbutt anyway. So let him do a splash and break somebody's ribs. And he would go far, too, off the top yeah. of that headbutt. He'd go like three yeah. quarters of the way. Oh, yeah, he would. Be a sight to behold. And that'd probably be something that uh, the warlord could probably manage. <laughs> warlord. I, I think he could handle a superplex. He might even be able to just stand in the ring and grab a guy from the top rope and superplex him. He wouldn't even have to climb up onto the first or second rope if he didn't want to. Next up, we have uh, Scott Hall and Bam Bam Bigelow in a hard-hitting brawl, running about 10 minutes and pushing the big men to their respective limits. Bigelow wins after hitting greetings from Asbury Park on Hall. Bigelow makes his way to the back to the sounds of Bruce Springsteen. Wow. In this AWA, Vern's paying up some music. Nice. Greetings from Asbury Park. Girls in Cars plays as the Can-Am Connection make their way to the ring to face the Brain Busters in the finals of the World Tag Title Tournament. A great match unfolds with the Busters gaining an early advantage with quick tags and cutting off the ring. Martel plays the babyface in peril to perfection with Zink waiting on the apron, straining for the hot tag. Martel finally escapes and make the tag with Zink coming in a house of fire. Zink cleans house, even decking Heenan who had climbed onto the apron. Years of experience from Anderson Blanchard turned the tide, though, with Blanchard throwing Zink into the ropes while Anderson plants a knee firmly in Zink's kit. Martel makes it to his feet on the apron, imploring Zink to make a tag, but just as Zink makes it across the ring, Blanchard pulls Martel from the apron and throws him into the ringside barrier. Blanchard gets back to his corner, takes a tag from Anderson to assist on a spike pile driver with a 1-2-3, and the match is over. Afterwards, Martel helps Zink to his feet, only for Zink to shove Martel away and then sucker punch his tag part, leaving Martel laying. And we have the beginnings of Ziman right here with a heel turn for Tom Zink. This, this will be one of the most angles coming out of the AWA very soon. Is he going to kind of, like, is it mocking Martel by doing this? Oh, it'll be, it'll be a mocking of Martel and his French-Canadian heritage. Perfect. We oui, oui. we're going to have a little, you know, kind of like a little interview segment with uh, a green screen background in the Eiffel Tower and Mark Zink sitting out like an outdoor cafe talking about all the wonderful things that he as a real French man, not French Canadian does. It'll it'll be fantastic. It is great. He is the man. He is the man. <laughs> Do you like I challenge you to a duel. Would you like <laughs> some man? <laughs> 
<laughs> Fuck, dude. I'll have nibble on my baguette. <laughs> I'm a fighter, blares from the speakers as Paul Orndorff makes his way to the ring for the Western States Heritage Title Tournament Finals. Larry Zabisco, waiting in the ring, attacks Orndorff as soon as he climbs through the ropes. Zabisco controls the match early, grinding Orndorff into the mat with headlocks, hammerlocks, chinlocks, arm bars, and the three <laughs> family gradenza. Yes. Crowd chants for Orndorff, slowly building him up as if he's finding an unknown well of strength that manifests itself by Orndorff shaking, no selling blows from Larry, and finally pointing in Larry's face and yelling, You! Oh my. <laughs> Orndorff takes control and beats Larry from pillar to post. Clotheslining Zabisco three times and then hitting him with a butterfly suplex, floating over into a cover and getting a two count. Orndorff, showing off his impressive strength, picks up Larry in a stalling vertical suplex and out of nowhere flips Zabisco into a power slam for the victory. As Orndorff's hand is raised and he is presented with the title belt, the lights go out for a few seconds. Larry Nelson and Rod Trongard apologize to the pay-per-view audience for the technical difficulties. When the lights come up, Zabisco is nowhere to be seen. So yeah, Orndorff gets to hulk up a little bit here. It's staying. Come back. Break out the jackhammer. That's kind of a fun finisher for him, I think. That's especially, a good brother. especially since I used the pile driver in the Arn and Tully match. I, I didn't want to just have him hit the, the pile driver for the win here. That'd be interesting to see because Orndorff's got such a dickhead sort of vibe. And I mean that in the most sweetest past weeks. I loved him. But you know right. what I mean? He's like that dickhead Jack Prick volleyball, or not volleyball coach, but football coach. Right. And it'd be really interesting. And I know he was kind of teetering back and forth as the face throughout his career. But it'd be interesting to see him like the, the, the guy that's like, you know, because he had the body for it and, and the charisma. Right. It'd be interesting to see him as like the all-American, super happy-go-lucky guy. Because could he pull it off? I don't know, because he's kind of a dickhead. I mean, just that vibe overall. But right. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're totally right. You know, it's definitely an interesting proposition. One of the reasons that I grabbed Orndorff late in the draft when I did is because I thought, okay, I want to try and use him as a face initially. Yeah. But then I can, you know, as a face, he could work with Hennig who's a heel, he could work Zabisco, but then I can flip him and he can work Savage. He could work Scott Hall. You know, he's got enough range that he can work up and down the card. Oh, yeah. So we're going to give him a shot as a baby face and see how it plays out. Yeah. Like you said, he's got the look that I think fans would get behind. He's if temperamental, he, though. Yes, right. if he keep the dickhead uh, attitude in check, I think it could work for a while. But you also oh. was... With the Midwest so. crowd, you know, they're they're also going to understand if he gets fed up and pissed off with something and, and does a little bit of heelish shit. I mean, Hogan was a fucking heel in half of his matches, Yeah. if you really look at it. Jesse was always right about Hogan. <laughs> I told you, Monsoon. To give a shout out to Terry, Jade, and Tyrell. <laughs> Tyrell. Tyrell. Right. <laughs> the outside enforcers make their way to the ring as a steel cage is attached to the ring. Eric Bischoff is in Randy Savage's locker room talking with the champ as we see Kurt Hennig and Bobby Heenan walk down the aisle. Once Henning is in the ring, pomp and circumstance begins to play as the building erupts in cheers for the Macho Man. These two stars tear right into each other and put on a clinic, wrestling a six-star match since it's within a 400-mile radius of Reseda. Back and forth, the tides turn with both men controlling the match for stretches until their opponent makes the slightest mistake, allowing them to cap. After 34 minutes with both men worn down, Savage has the advantage and looks ready to end the match. A murmur rises through the crowd as two large masked men clear the barricades and attempt to get in the ring. They're met by Mad Dog Vashon and Brad Rangans, who are able to keep them out of the ring. 
As this takes place, Arn and Tully suddenly run down the aisle with the same intent, only to be cut off by Bruiser and Crusher to a thunderous ovation. With all the ringside enforcers occupied, Larry Zabisco appears from underneath the ring with a lead pipe. Savage, distracted by everything going on outside, and the referee, dealing with Heenan, trying to cut the lock off the cage with bolt cutters, Miss Zabisco sliding the pipe through the cage to a waiting Henning, who clocks Savage, returns the pipe to Zabisco, grabs the ref, who then counts one, two, three after Henning hits the fisherman suplex on the prone Savage. The show goes off the air with the Heenan family celebrating in the ring, now in possession of both world heavyweight and tag titles. Dang, Savage. Getting screwed. Short reign. Yeah, he had it for about uh, two months. Well, Jeez, no, three months. Three month reign. Jeez, and he didn't drop it to Hogan. That's a surprise. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's in New York. That's the way the draft yeah. went. Much much to your chagrin because, you know, it turns out once you showed up that you really wanted to build around Savage. I'm working pretty good with who I got, though. I think Hogan's arc will surprise people. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Hogan in the land of, of real giants. Yeah. yeah. Some real tough, scary dudes over there. You don't work for us, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting fucking beat up today. He better have their space boots on, man. Are there any views and opinions on Super Clash here? I'm I'm more interested to see what's happening going forward now because yeah. now you've got your stable is hot. They've got the gold. They got the smartest man in professional wrestling. That's a hell of a setup. Yeah, they're about to uh, run roughshod over to AWA. AWA. Sounds like a lot of fun. And one way to make Randy Savage like the biggest baby face ever. And, you know, he's got, he's one of those guys that can work full side of the angles. Always kind of liked him better as a heel, but every, you know, we still, we still, still have Randy to figure Savage. out who's, who's under those masks also at the ring side there. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. If, if you take a look at the, uh, the roster for the AWA, which I'll I'll make sure and going forward with each of these episodes, I'll make sure and repost the link to the spreadsheet with all the rosters so that everybody can keep track of things. There is a pretty big tag team listed uh, on the AWA roster that you might figure out who they are. Just a couple of henchmen, hired men here to uh, help Heenan's plan play out. You know, Stanley Blackburn thought he was outsmarting Heenan by putting four men around the ring, which was more than enough to deal with Zabisco, Heenan, Arn and Tully. I, just, uh, I hope Heenan's check clears. He doesn't <laughs> want to get Shanghai. Hmm. <laughs> check. Yeah, I tried to. I tried to use this to set up a number of things going forward between the tournaments. You know, we've got Rockers ready uh, when they come back as possible challengers for the Brainbusters due to their meeting in the title tournament. We have Can Ams exploding. The fun angle there. It looks like the Rockers will be sliding up the, the chart. Yep. You've got the bad company now that can can brag about sending the Rockers out of the territory for 30 days and kind of solidifying them as that number two heel tag team behind Arn and Tully. Rose and Jarrett should have a fun feud for a while over that junior heavyweight title. And I just, I, lo- I love, I love that I love the belt doesn't fit him. Yes, I love the visual of of them trying to, you know, trying for like and Buddy Rose sucking his gut in and just trying to get it, and it's still not quite, not quite it, reaching. Is Dr. Toboggan going to be sticking around? Uh, possibly. Uh, there may be a rotating cast of doctors because he may have his medical <laughs> life old. You never know. One of them could be Dr. Von Doom. <laughs> yeah, doc, Dr. Did, Doom could be his advantage. It, did, it, it just needs to be revolving like Dr. Door of like random doctors right. all the time. Right. Uh, what was the Dr. Kelso? We could bring in Dr. Kelso from Sacred Heart Medical 
scrubs. Uh, you know, number of guys. He's old. He would work. Just bring some people in here, TV doctors to, to fill out. Quincy. The yeah, there you go. Trapper John, John MD. <laughs> <laughs> it's Doogie Hauser. That, that could be that could be a Doug Summers gimmick. He could be Dougie Hauser. <laughs> <laughs> failed child prodigy. <laughs> Mike, you get Emphasis really on <laughs> managed <laughs> by Leaf Garrett. <laughs> get really obscure and say Doctor Zimmerman. Doctor Nick. Hi everybody. <laughs> yeah, we got a, we got a few things going here. You know, setting up the future, getting ready for some fun stuff. Like I said, big angle coming with the Rockers for the next show that I think is somewhat creative and kind of fun. Uh, we, it's Ken Ramey yeah. and the interns. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on That's the doctor's thing. That's great. I'm stuck on doctors still. You know, I was struggling to figure out who I was going to have manage the SST because uh, I wasn't sure exactly who would be able to lay claim to Oliver Humperdinck. Uh, he had the big kahuna. <laughs> right. And Buddy Jack was already in somebody's company. Yeah. And I've got Paul E. I didn't Paul right. E. have him in WCW? Right. Yes, or, yeah, he had him for a while. Yeah, because they would come out to the Halloween theme. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was cool, me. man. I like that. Yeah, it's when the Samoan Savage joined him that uh, the Kahuna came along. Yep, yep. Yeah, we you know we got a few things cooking here. And, yeah, uh, I forgot about them coming out to the Halloween thing. That was cool. Yeah, man. that was awesome. That was awesome. I had to throw in the the shout out to Big E with the big yes. meat and slapping meat. I hope. I hope <laughs> that, that, one, that one was specifically for you, buddy. I I totally <laughs> popped over here. <laughs> I wanted to. Throw a little bit of comedy in with everything where I could. Heck yeah. That sounded like I got you with a 400 mile radius of Reseda. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I Googled it to make sure it was 369 miles from San Francisco to Reseda. <laughs> Got to be accurate. Yep. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. So that's where the AWA stands going forward. We'll be booking to, I'm not sure what the next big show is going to be for sure. It's going to be the, uh, Wrestle Rock Rumble, or what exactly? Big things coming for the AWA. It's got it's got to be Savage coming back for revenge, right? Oh yeah, that'll be the main event, sure. But how do we how do we even the odds? Right. Who does well, who does Savage recruit to his side? I mean, initially you say right off the top of your head, it's got to be Bockwinkle, right? Maybe maybe Orndorf, but then Orndorf's got a belt. Maybe when Orndorf's easily persuaded, that could be bad news. Maybe uh, maybe Big Scott Hall. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, coming off a loss to Bigelow. Yep. Get him a little bit of a rub here and uh, you know, get him kind of involved in the main event scene a little bit. He's not ready for that push yet. but Get that mustache feet. wet a little bit. <laughs> yeah, forget getting his feet wet. We got to get that mustache wet. <laughs> I, I don't think he's had any brand. trouble actually getting that. I have a it's feeling a, it's, a, it's a moist stash. Yes. <laughs> a moisty stash. Make it glisten. Yeah, like a glazed donut. <laughs> mm, frosty. <laughs> mm, frosty. Either that boy spent the night with some ring rats or he's been drinking Valvoline. <laughs> a little bit of both. I think uh, I think Luna might stick around. I was going to have Sherry in there, but Sherry's with the Rockers as a manager at this point still, and she's a face. So I mean, yes, there's something's got to give there. Yeah. So I thought, well, Luna's a good compromise to bring her in. Luna, yeah, Luna's a cool mix. Dude. And then maybe she ends up managing somebody. 
and wrestling both, you know, there's some possible. It seems like you're going to get some, uh, some lady action. Yep. Yep. Oh, wow. Rob Trondard loves lady action. And the Larry, Larry Nelson, Wally, Wally Carbo. Oh, Wally Caribou. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So there we are. You know, Rob Trongard, or Ron Trongard, the Ron Trongard, kind of looks like, uh, remember, uh, what was his name? Dick Versace? <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? Pacers coach, yep. Yeah, the hair. So those aviators on old Dick Versace, yep. you got, yep. you got like great value, Indiana. Ron <laughs> Trongard. <laughs> all right, that wraps it up for another episode of the main event podcast here. We all thank you for joining us. Great job to Michael for his AWA going on. I can't wait to find out what happens next. But speaking of finding out what happens next, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media pages on Facebook. Follow the Other Ship Podcast. Don't forget to support our friends. And we look forward to hearing and talking to you guys soon. Yeah, we want to give a big shout out to Pause Chaos, Shard Johnson, and Stephen Burrow. Get well, yes. Stephen. Hope you're doing yeah, well, buddy. For sure. Feel better. Love you, man. Love you, man. Yeah. Get well soon, but thinking of you all the time. We also want to say what's up and give a shout out to the gals over at the these nuts podcast that's nuts with a z and uh so we want to say hi to katie and amy love the show keep it up and uh get out there support those guys that's these nuts podcast with a z and please make sure to catch our friends jamie warden roman gomez on the regional wrestling podcast with ray russell available wherever you find your podcast and russellcopia.com. <laughs>